Anytime you're along for the ride, thanks a lot for stopping by. Really glad to have this man back. He is a former FBI agent. He uh, is a whistleblower on the agency because of what it is they pulled while he was there. Since we spoke with him last, he has stopped being suspended without pay because the man needed to, needed to make some money. It's Steve Friend. Steve, how are you? Good to see you. Uh, good to see you, Joe. Thanks for having me. So you guys were in front of Jordan the other day. When we spoke a while ago, you hadn't talked to Jordan yet. You talked to his staff. You're in front of the uh, the oversight committee, which is really actually, no, the intelligence committee, which is very, very important. Um, and, and as you're sitting there, you're given an opportunity to, to do your opening statement, to speak, to talk about what's going on. And then the left comes in and says and asks the dumbest things I think I've ever seen in my adult life. So going into that, what did you expect was going to happen? Uh, you know, I had a lot of people in my ear. I, I think the Republicans were really nervous that the Democrats were to kind of come at us and make us look like we were unprofessional or volatile in the hopes that this is going to be a blown up uh, hearing and there's not going to be anything go- more there for them to go after. Uh, so I was ready for that. But uh, when they started to speechify and, and just use all their time up, it was pretty apparent to me. And, and on top of using these delay tactics, they were just trying to get out of that day, minimize the damage. And it was just on us to just take the hits as they came and deliver our, our responses. I want to reiterate to those who are watching and listening, um, you were a an FBI agent. You were the guy who was tracking down pedophiles and those prey, pre, preying on kids in our in our society. For some reason, and again, correct me if I'm getting this wrong, the higher-ups at the FBI said, we're going to move you from that to domestic terrorism. And, and did I hear you right that you were actually sitting in the parking lot during school board meetings taking down license plates? Yes, that was actually an incident that happened where there was a January 6th subject that we got word was going to be going to a school board. So uh, they wanted us to follow him there and then in the parking lot sort of make connections to anybody that he might be communicating with. And I think it's, it doesn't take a huge uh, intellectual jump to, to see that they were trying to connect the school board uh, parents who were upset with pornography in their schools with January 6th, which, as we're being told, is the, the worst event that's happened in the history of the country. And, of course, that's ridiculous. I mean, we, we know the guy, Ray Epps, is no, we're not allowed to, to ask about him, and he's the only person I've ever seen on video saying, let's go in, let's go do this, let's go do that. It's uh, Steve Friend, former FBI agent. Uh, Steve, how can they can find you at Real Steve Friend on Twitter and Real underscore Steve Friend on Truth, right? Yep, that's right. Okay, um, so so you're in the parking lot and you're thinking to yourself because you're a good American, you want to you want to protect kids, you want to you want to uphold the law and keep people safe. You're thinking, okay, they're connecting January sixth to people who are speaking out at school board meetings. And when you put the when you connected the dots, what do you think the DOJ was doing? Trying to stop people from complaining about pornography in school or complaining about about gender transitions in school with kids? I think they were trying to uh, build a background for this threat tag that went out with the uh, with the parents at school board meetings that were getting so unruly that that were the uh, the National Association of School Boards was communicating with the Department of Justice and uh, the they could paint the January 6th quote unquote insurrectionist label on those school boards then that was going to give them a lot more leverage to maybe go after those individuals. I know they opened about two dozen cases or they looked at two dozen complaints didn't wind up opening a case. Uh, but maybe they would have actually been able to do that if we'd been able to connect the dots. You were an agent during the summer of 2020, right? Yes, I was. So we had the entire um, country burning down. Big cities just in mayhem. 300 businesses gone in Minneapolis. And CNN standing out in front of a burning warehouse saying, it's mostly peaceful out here. Was the FBI at all involved in trying to find out who started that stuff, who, who burned down so much of the country? 26, 27 innocent people were killed in all of that. What happened on January 6th was nothing compared to what we saw that entire summer after George Floyd died. Was the FBI at all or the DOJ at all engaged in stopping this? 
they were they were they were deploying mobile surveillance units and and the fly team and tactical response there uh but in light of the fact that there was really no prosecutions that ever happened right. there, i think it was more of a cya move by the fbi so if if something really bad and not to say that what did happen wasn't awful but if some sort of mass casualty event happened the fbi could justify you know that it had taken some sort of action and then you can't always avoid the black swan incident yeah it, well, the reason i ask is to me it seems that summer you could have locked up all sorts of Antifa, all sorts of BLM, all sorts of far left-wing radicals and terrorists in this country. You would have had really good cause, billions and billions of dollars in damage. And again, a bunch of people, more than two dozen people died. At the so-called insurrection, Ashley Babbitt died. That was it. Nobody else. Police didn't die. There weren't five dead police officers. They may have died later, like the, the guy Sicknick, but he had, had a stroke. So when we look at the two events, one was two or three hours in Washington, D.C., and now for more than two years, the DOJ is going after anybody who even utters the, the words January 6th, and we just forget about what happened the entirety of the summer of 2020 as if that was just normal, I don't know, First Amendment-protected protesting. To me, it was is there a system inside the DOJ and the FBI that says to a guy like you, an agent, hey, Steve, that's not such a big deal in 20. Really got to focus on what happened in 21. Yeah, there is. It's uh, it's integrated program management. So the uh, those investigations, if they're going to be domestic terrorism, they ha- there has to be a predicated ideology. You now, for whatever reason, the FBI deemed that Black Lives Matter and Antifa are not necessarily terrorist ideologies that we're going to open up cases on. And they left any sort of property damage up to local law enforcement. But when it comes to the January 6th incident, uh, they've deemed that that ideology, Stop the Steal, is apparently now a worldview. And uh, they're going to investigate these cases and turn one case into hundreds, if not thousands of cases and hit all their predetermined metrics for the year. Ensure all the bosses get their financial bonuses and uh, they're going to justify further budget movement, uh, moving funds over to the FBI so they can continue to grow because it is a self-looking ice cream cone. It's Steve Friend, former FBI agent. You can follow him everywhere. Real Steve Friend over on Twitter. Truth, he's uh, real underscore Steve Friend. Uh, do you still have the GoFundMe going, or you've got a job now and, and, and you're beyond that? Because I, I know that Garrett had a, a bunch of people donate to him the other day. Are you still taking uh, people who want to support you? Uh, all those funds have gone to that same uh, go, uh, give, send, go. All okay. the, those money are going to Garrett and to Marcus Allen. I've never taken a penny of it, uh, and that was something that uh, when – when the Democrats pushed out and intimated that I was some sort of grifter, I've never been paid. And even when I wrote the book, I didn't take an advance. And I told the publisher, I don't care if I make a dime off it. I just want the information now. And then the name of the book again? Uh, it's called True Blue, My Journey from uh, Beat Cop to Suspended FBI Whistleblower. It's actually on presale now. It's going to be coming out next month. Uh, the FBI wanted me to redact multiple portions of it concerning January 6th whistleblowing, the Gretchen Whitmer case, which I had an involvement in. Uh, and uh, and I'm just not going to do that. This is Good. radical transparency is the only way back to the FBI. Well, I, ag- I agree with you. And I was going to ask you that next. Is there a way back for the FBI? Now, the whistleblower case that the, the, the whistle that you blew was that they took you away from really good work, keeping kids in our in our country safe. And it made you focus on so-called domestic terrorism. That was all right wing stuff that they wanted you to follow. How does the process even happen, Steve? Who did you talk to? Who do, who do you get a hold of? You can't get a hold of somebody in the FBI. You, do you get a hold of Congress? What do you do to, to blow the whistle? Well, I, I brought my concerns at the time because I was an agent to my supervisors, but I also brought my concerns to the inspector general who is taking that up now, uh, the special counsel to the United States Senate and to the U.S. Congress. So I, I went to multiple routes. I just kind of threw everything I could up against the wall and hoped that it found its way to somebody in a position to do something. And hopefully with this weaponization select subcommittee, 
uh, they can advise the appropriations process and pull back a lot of the funds that are going to the FBI to do these things that are just clearly unconstitutional. And because they took you off of, of tracking down pedophiles, are kids less safe now? Because I, I think that you told me they said the locals can handle that. The locals can handle it, but uh, it's, you know, it, it's just throwing a pebble into an ocean. There's just tremendous amount of work there. They don't have the resources necessarily. It always helps to have more and, and to work uh, in conjunction with your local partners. And I can tell you for a fact, I also worked human trafficking. And I had an active human trafficking case when I was suspended. And as far as I know, uh, those, uh, those juveniles are still being victimized. How bad is it at the border now? Is the DOJ focused on human trafficking coming across the border? You know, cartels have all sorts of, uh, of, of home bases set up inside this country that the FBI and the DOJ should be all over. Are we doing a good enough job, Steve, uh, in protecting Americans from what's happening across the border? No, without question. There's, there's, it's just being overrun. Uh, we're trying to send resources down. There are people who are ill-equipped or untrained to do it. Uh, I've got relationships with individuals who are federal air marshals, and they're being sent down there to basically make sandwiches and, and help the people cross the border. Uh, it's, we're not combating any sort of nefarious actors there. It's just a, drinking out of a fire hose and trying to handle all the bodies. We know that there are indentured servants that are coming. It might cost eight or $10,000 to come here from wherever they're coming from. They don't have the money. The cartel brings them and says, now you've got to work for us for the next X amount of years, basically slave labor. And, um, and these people are robbing, stealing, whatever they have to do to, to make the money. Because if they don't make the money, the story goes, the cartel will kill their family back in wherever they came from. Shouldn't we be stepping in? Shouldn't the DOJ be concerned about this? I think that should be a top priority. But instead, you know, we listen to your elected officials talk about we're not going to have our fruit picked or our houses cleaned. They literally it's, said it's that. Deplorable. It's sick. It's deplorable. There's not an appetite for that on one side of the aisle. And I think that the Republicans are just too afraid of being called, uh, you know, police defunders. And they're, they're afraid to pull back the reins on some areas and, and just reroute resources where they're really needed. It is uh, Steve Friend. You can look for his book. It's in pre-order. It's uh, True Blue, right, Steve? That's right. It's on Amazon right now. It comes out June 13th. Uh, you can buy a copy. Buy a second one. I keep telling everybody and mail it over to the headquarters at Hooper Building and uh, to Christopher Ray. <laughs> um, it, what excuse did they use to suspend you? They said that I improperly accessed the employee handbook. Huh? And they used that to revoke or not revoke, to suspend my security clearance. And as a result of that, you can't be an agent. What does that mean? You miss... Uh, you mishandled the employee handbook. What does that mean? Uh, my attorney uh, asked me to get a copy of the handbook, so okay. I took a jump drive that the FBI gave me to investigate child pornography cases. So it was blank. It was an unclassified jump drive. But because the handbook is housed on a classified system, oh, even though it is unclassified, that was technically a breach. Normally, it's something you get an email about, hey, don't do it again. But they mobilized and walked me out of the building because I was a problem. You were a big problem, and they look for any any sort of a, um, a small thing. Minutia is the same thing they did with Kyle Serafin. When you look at what, what you what you went through, uh, is it all worth it, Steve? Because at the end of the day, it's still a swamp at the DOJ. They're still looking at building a $4 billion new facility, and nobody appears to want to stop them. The Republicans say they do. I'm not sure if they can. Was it worth it? I'm a big believer in uh, controlling the controllables, and I can control whether or not I can go to bed at night and whether I can set an example for my children. And uh, I'll stand by everything I did and, uh, and, and without regrets. And, and I'm, I've, I've been lucky enough to land on my feet due to the generosity of others. Yeah. And I'm hoping to maybe you know, help others that are in a similar situation in the future. If uh, you got a call from the next president, it wouldn't be this one. And they said, hey, friend, we're going to redo the entire Department of Justice. What has to, Steve, what would you do? What do you have to, what has to happen? Because they are so broad now with tentacles everywhere. 
I, I would think it would be hard to reel them back and start all over. What do you do? I think you need to rethink the way we do federal law enforcement. The, uh, the FBI has not been throughout the history of the country. We existed just fine before them. There's no reason why we can't pull the FBI back. If you want to take out overintelligence, you can do domestic intelligence. You're just not going to have any guns. Instead, we're going to empower local law enforcement. We're going to fund them. We're going to deputize locals through the United States Marshal Service. Those guys who have experienced doing investigations for 10, 15 years. There's no reason why they can't cross-deputize, work state crimes, local crimes, and federal crimes, bring those to the U.S. Attorney's Office. What a great idea. So these men and women know the local area. They know the, the topography, the geography. They know the people. That would be very, very smart to, to somehow federally deputize them. Why hasn't that been done? That seems to make sense. Why, why have two and three times the people that you would really need when you use the people who are on the ground already, uh, who are already in place? We already have best practices. We have task force officers that work at the FBI every day. The FBI wouldn't be able to do its job without those individuals. We just need to continue to reach out to those local agencies, get more of those people. They can continue to do their job. The FBI can help pay their salaries, pay their overtime. And, and really, that's what I always prioritize with myself as, a, as an FBI agent. I want to take care of my local partners. That should be the focus of the FBI. Real Steve Friend over on Twitter, real underscore Steve Friend over on Truth. Get his book, True Blue. Um, when you're in that position in front of that committee, and you know that some really dumb questions are going to come out, I know this wasn't for you. It was for Marcus Allen. But when you see the representative say something so dumb as, is this your Twitter account? And he says, no. She still asks him how he feels. It would be like asking me how some random Joe over on Twitter um, about, about what they posted. It doesn't make any sense. When you see something like that going on, you think to yourself, oh, boy, this is going to be a long day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I was trying to whisper under my breath to, to, to both Marcus and Garrett, just keep your calm because right. uh, they're going to expose themselves. This was just a dog and pony show for so many of them. When they, they get their five minutes, they want that viral clip. Clearly, uh, we, we called her a, a dumb bomb, not a smart bomb. She had a payload. She was going to drop it. <laughs> fell on a school this time or a hospital. Didn't hit the, uh, the, the airstrip. Well, she went viral. I don't think for the right reasons, but she went viral for sure. Um, Steve, what's the next step? Are, are we going to get some sort of resolution in your case? I know you're not there anymore. You're not suspended without pay anymore. But, but you seem like the kind of guy who wants righteousness to come to the surface. What happens next? Uh, well, I actually did an interview with the Inspector General's office, and I'm, I'm pledged to cooperate with them about the, the information I brought forward. I'm also working with the investigator for Jim Jordan and for the select subcommittee uh, to help other whistleblowers come forward. And this is just going to be the cause that I believe in. And I'm going to hopefully advise in, in certain areas. I was just asked recently about five areas where they could cut back the FBI. So I'm going to make some actual policy suggestions to the people that are in place in a position to make those changes. Do you have any knowledge, this is off the beaten path, any knowledge of this document allegedly showing that Joe Biden was selling his influence as a vice president? There is a, somebody in the DOJ says it does exist. When I had James Comer on the other day, what the feeling I got was that not only do they know it exists, but they've seen a copy of it. He didn't say that, but I got that feeling. Do you have any knowledge on that? That's a that's an FD-1023. It's a source reporting document. It means that uh, it was a in confidential informant communication. Uh, my question is, it's three years old at this point. Yeah. Uh, I think that there's a significant chance that the individual brought information forward and instead of opening a case or a preliminary investigation, they hid it in a source reporting document and made this person a confidential human source without their knowledge. We need to find out what's in there. And if it's if it exonerates the president, great. But if it doesn't, then it certainly warrants it, certainly uh, some transparency at the very least and, uh, and perhaps an, an actual investigation. The legislative branch has oversight over the over the executive branch. So when Comer or when Jordan asks for that document, why does the FBI think they have the right to say we're not giving it to you? 
because sure this is clearly it's an administrative state that's out of control yeah. and uh, the republicans must use the power of the purse strings they have to look into the holman rule they have to zero out salaries if necessary uh, in order to actually enforce these things get these people it, it, wherever they can to motivate them to do what they're supposed to do you know, I, I look back on christopher ray and i've made this point a few times he made nine million dollars a year before he was the fbi director that's a 10-year appointment so simple math tells us he gave up 90 million dollars for the cause to weaponize the FBI. Wow. So that's what ideological conviction looks like. That's the amount of, of effort that's going to be have to put forward to, to pull this out, root and branch from the FBI. 20 or 30 seconds left, Steve, if you don't mind. We always say that the frontline men and women are great. They are hard workers. They're great. The investigators are incredible. The problem is the hierarchy. Is that true? Uh, in general, would you say the agents out there trying to get it done are trying to stick to the Constitution and, and keep us safe? By and large, they are. And the problem is with this broken promotion system, uh, folks going back and forth because it requires you to make your homage and make your your, your pilgrimage to Washington, D.C. so often. That swamp gets on you and you bring it back to where you were working prior. That has to go away. And there's a way to do it. There's a headquarters possibility in Huntsville, Alabama. Let's put the FBI in real America. I appreciate your bravery. I appreciate what you put on the line for all of us to know exactly what's going on in a, in a Department of Justice that we fund. It's Steve Friend. Go follow him at Real Steve Friend on Twitter, at Real underscore Steve Friend on Truth. And get that book, uh, True Blue. Steve, come back again. Thanks, man. I will. Thank you very much for having me. All right, brother. We're back after this. Stay right here. Don't be an A-dub. Stay with the Joe Pag Show. to have Steve Friend on and we got, really appreciate the update from him. TikTok has been banned in Montana. Now they're getting sued, or Montana is. Break that story down for you next hour. Make sure you stick around for that. We've also got great news with Kay on a Monday. And if you've got an idea, a really good idea for a PAGS parody, haven't done one in a little while, I'm ready to do one. If, if your idea is one that I choose to do the song, we'll get you a gift card over to the Joe Pags store. You get a Joe Pags t-shirt or a hat or some stickers, whatever you want to do. Uh, you can go check that out right now, JoePags.com slash store, JoePags.com slash store. If you want to watch the last hour, go click on watch now. Much more to come. Do not touch that dial. There's a lot coming your way. And uh, get me those, those emails with your ideas on songs. Keep it here. This is the Joe Pags Show.